Hey guys, welcome to Upbeat. I'm your host, Parker Kane. Thank you very much for being here and for listening in today. I appreciate it. If you're new here, or even if you're returning and you're just not subscribed yet, please follow the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this on. That really helps the show grow and is also very much appreciated. So thank you for that. In this episode, we're talking with Nick English, a nutrition editor at Barbend, all about making nutrition work during these really bizarre times while most of us are staying at home and potentially have limited resources. And who better to hear from on this topic than Nick English. You guys, he's a journalist, editor, and digital media specialist with nearly a decade of reporting experience around the world, mostly covering health, fitness, nutrition, and a plethora of other health-related issues. In fact, some of his first articles about health were on the cholera outbreak in rural Kenya while he was reporting for a French humanitarian organization, which is phenomenal. Nick is a native Australian, but he's lived and worked in France, China, India, Kenya, Chile, and now America the last few years. And he's also been featured in Men's Health, Vice, Popular Science, the Sydney Morning Herald, and the Huffington Post. So it's an understatement to say that this guy has some experience in this space. And I'm just so happy we could have him here on Upbeat this week to share some of his experiences and insight with us. And after speaking with him, I just got to tell you guys this really quick. Nick has such an amazing story and his passion's really fascinating too. And it really brings a unique perspective to the health and fitness world. For example, you know, he's got multiple degrees, one of which is in religion. And you'll find that throughout this interview, we get into some of those larger philosophical and religious topics and talk about how that relates to our fundamental health. And it's just really fascinating to hear about and to learn about. Uh, so yeah, the first half of this episode is really all about Nick and his background and stories and some of those philosophical topics and ideas. And then in the second half of this episode, we break down everything you need to know about making nutrition work during quarantine. And we even get lucky enough to have Nick share with us a few specific and a few of his favorite crockpot recipes. So yeah, it's a really unique, really fun episode here on Upbeat. Let's get into it. Nick, thank you very much for joining me on Upbeat. I appreciate it. It's my pleasure, man. Thank, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. When I've heard good things, uh, you know, eight or nine episodes ago, we had David Tao on the podcast and he works with you at Barbend. So uh, thankful that he would make this introduction too. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a good guy. I'm sure he lied about uh, how great I am, but I'm pretty great, but he tends <laughs> to talk me up more than he should. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, well, to kick things off, could you just briefly uh, share with myself and with the listeners a little bit more about you and just whatever you'd like to share, you know, childhood dreams, what you're passionate about, what led you to where you are now in nutrition? We would just love to get to know you a little bit better. <laughs> That's a big question, a big series of questions. What what created me? Wow. Um <laughs> You know, actually, you know, when I, when I came to New York, um, my first job was at a fitness, uh, a health and fitness website called Greatest, uh, which is where I met my now coworker, boss guy, David Tao. And on the very first day, they sat me in front of the entire office in like a hot seat type thing. And the first question they asked me was, who are you? Which was very overwhelming at the time. But it's like, it's actually kind of a good question because I think um, questions like that, like, uh, you know, who are you? What do you doing here? Why are you here? What is your purpose? All that sort of stuff. Those are questions that have always sort of um, really enthralled me and captured my attention, you know, and it, it was through that that I wound up getting into health and fitness because 
I actually have a, I don't know if this is the right place to start or anything, but I, I, have, a, I have a master's degree in religion. Like I'm really interested in those sorts of big questions. And I think, and it's also why I got really interested in health and nutrition and fitness, because I feel like both of these areas, like religion and health, are part of man's quest for a rule book. Like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Like mm-hmm. with this meat machine that I'm piloting around the planet, like that I was born into, like what, what am I meant to do with this? Like what, what is what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, so these questions like, you know, who are you? That kind of stuff. What are you, what are you supposed to, what are we meant to be doing with ourselves? Um, yeah. Again, I'm very, very interested in, uh, in the religious aspects of that question and the philosophical aspects of that question. And those sorts of questions can be debated endlessly, of course, with no really firm answers or very few very firm answers. But broccoli is good for you. Like, that's a truth. Like, that's a real firm truth. And it's like, put it in your body and positive things happen. You know, I mean, of course, unless you have a sensitivity to FODMAP carbohydrates or whatever, if you have IBS or something, but you know what I mean? It's like, there's a, in a quest for truth, like a quest for what am I supposed to be doing here? There are a lot of like wishy-washy answers to that, but like deadlifts are good for your posterior chain. And when you have a stronger posterior chain, you are less likely to get injured and you have a better hip density, hip bone density. You're less likely to get injured from falls when you're older. You have better posture, you have like less back pain. You know, if you eat plenty of spinach, that gets you more magnesium. That helps you to sleep better and reduce stress. Here's a million studies showing this. Like this stuff is not, controversial so i think like in the storm of (laughs) existential anxiety that uh obviously of course continues to plague me and probably will until i die i found great comfort in the notion that broccoli is good for you and hip and bone density is a good thing and like these are firm things i can grasp onto and uh, i wound up getting just like really into health and fitness while getting really pretentious about religious philosophy and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this, this being a passion-based podcast, uh, I just love, you know, asking more in depth about people's passions, yours being, you know, a quest for truth, nutrition, religion. Uh, ultimately, how did you discover that that was something you're passionate about? Or like, have you just always kind of been drawn to, to being fascinated by those bigger and larger topics yeah i mean um i have yeah that, that, that's true it's really hard to have these conversations without sounding really pretentious like i'm, I'm such a deep thinker and blah 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 like I'm, <laughs> I'm trying not to do that do that too much i don't know my uh i don't know when did it start when i was 15 my dad took me to uh he, he gets involved with some uh, aid work you know like in the like microfinance type stuff which is when you for people who don't know, it's like uh, making small business loans to people typically in developing countries uh, to help them start businesses and get themselves out of poverty. And that's like stuff that my dad has been involved with. When I was 15, that was, you know, that's, that's the age where you're really, you know, you're complaining all the time. My life is so unfair. My parents are so mean. You know, I hate my life, all this kind of thing. And uh, that was when dad decided to take me on a trip to, uh, it was the Philippines to see where some of his microfinance projects had been taking place. And that was where I saw just unbelievable poverty and, and suffering. And there was like a, I remember one of the towns we visited, the villages was built on top of a garbage dump. So the ground was like squelchy underfoot, you know what I mean? And uh, that sort of was, uh, 
that that was a big paradigm shift for me like you know a big like opening my eyes the world is a lot bigger than than who i am human experience is a lot broader than i am and what i've experienced in the suburbs in australia and uh yeah i don't know those i, w- I was always sort of interested in those questions it was after after college i moved to i spent a couple of years in china um where I was just, I was teaching and that was where I really got to sort of explore that a lot more. I got really into, <laughs> yeah, again, I, I can't not sound pretentious talk about this stuff. I got really into Buddhism. I got really into philosophy. I met people there who had similar interests. After that, I wound up uh, moving around a lot. I spent uh, some time living in India where I just like, I worked for a, a human rights organization and just spent all this time like, <laughs> I, went, I went a little bit kind of cursed. I went a bit nuts. I, I didn't go nuts, but like I spent like a, I would work during the day and at nighttime I would just like read all these like long books about like Hinduism and, and Gandhism and Satyagraha and the Upanishads and write essays about like God and all this other sort of stuff. And uh, after that, I went to Kenya. Uh, I worked for a French aid organization there. And um, when I was there, I really, really, really saw some like real suffering. Um, and that also, that was another big fundamental shift, you know, in getting a broader perspective, I guess, because for a lot of reasons, like in, in a lot of ways, I sort of find this quest for truth. The way I sort of frame it, or at least used to frame it is like, you know, you want to get as broad a perspective as possible, right? Because it, where you are born, and who your parents are, and whatever your genetics are, that largely if not entirely determines the person you're going to be and the thoughts you're going to have and the opinions you're going to have and all this other sort of stuff. And that's, that's called determinism. And for me personally, anyway, that's a very compelling and convincing, if not sort of depressing and fatalistic and pessimistic philosophy. I still have trouble denying it, but that's nonetheless, it, it's, it's easy to feel not empowered if you get really into this determinism, we have no free will type stuff. So I think the ways to get around that, you know, to at least get as free as you can within these constraints, and by constraints, I mean the place you're born, your genetics, your environment, is to basically, you know, learn as much as you can, uh, learn as much about uh, other opinions as you can, you know, basically just education and try and get as broad a perspective as you can. And I sort of always thought of God as having like the the broadest possible perspective, the universal perspective, something like that. So this is not to say that I'm able to approach the wisdom of God if he exists at all, but this is a long-winded way of saying uh, I think it's, uh, it behooves us and you might even say we have a duty to try and get as broad a perspective as you can, at least if you're interested in being as free as you can um, and not just sort of a prisoner of your circumstances and genetics. So that was... Um, that 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 was sort of the motivation behind me, you know, traveling a lot and not just traveling a lot, but also trying to get involved in like some of the 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 darkest uh, sort of parts of of, of the planet and 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 the, the the most troubling experiences of humanity. Like we we were in uh, in Kenya, it was like uh, places really affected by uh, cholera epidemics, and uh, you know there was a lot a lot of you know, death and destruction and all that sort of fun stuff, um, but. When I was out there, I was also doing a bit of journalism. I was writing for the United Nations uh, and uh, USAID, the, the United States government's uh, aid uh, agency for international development. Um, and I liked the writing. So I don't know. I, I wound up really loving aid work that much just because it's just very, very, very bureaucratic. And so I went back to school and I got a master's. I got one master's in journalism, another in religion. And then now I write about deadlifts for a living. So it's been a pretty weird ride. But <laughs> that's kind of where it wound up now. 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, and so how does that translate? Like, did you learn things there that help you now uh, with your path on nutrition? When I was traveling? Um, no, not really. I mean, the bummer was I was a vegetarian for most of the time I was traveling. So I actually didn't experience that much of the world's cuisine. But of course, cuisine and nutrition, they're, they're separate things, right? So for, for me, it was really just... um. There's this, uh, there's this like Socrates quote that like it's it's roughly it's like to for a, for a man to be fully realized he needs to fully exert himself as much as he can in mind body and soul you know so that's like to me anyway it's education it's uh, spirituality or at least you know philosophy and it's fitness you know this is these three very important components of what makes up a human being and it was that's really what sort of set me off onto fitness like reading that that was in uh, the book. Sophie's World, which is like a really, really good introduction to Western philosophy that I recommend to everyone. It was very popular in like the early 90s, which is not when I read it. I was like six when it came out. But that quote just really struck me, you know, because I was spending a lot of time gazing at my navel and thinking about philosophy and all this other sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, I was, I, I had my degrees and everything, or at least I, I had one of them at that point, but I hadn't, I didn't feel like I was fully inhabiting my body. Like I sort of just realized like I wasn't you know, exerting it, seeing what it was capable of and, you know, what you want to do in life, at least what, what is a compelling philosophy to me is to exert yourself, push your boundaries, see what you're capable of, explore your capabilities, that sort of stuff. And that's why I got into fitness. And I did a whole bunch of different sort of fitness stuff and nutrition stuff. Um, like I said, I was a vegetarian for a very long time. I made, did mostly bodyweight exercises for a long time. You know, I thought, maybe this, maybe this is truth. Like, because, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't have weights when we were cavemen. So maybe bodyweight exercises is like truth, you know. And that's what's really funny in fitness in particular, more so than nutrition. It's like there are a lot of different schools. And if you find like the, the sort of the, the thought leaders in all the different schools of fitness, like be it CrossFit or Strongman or, uh, you know, kettlebell stuff or martial arts or mace work and all this other sort of stuff. The way they talk about it is very much like, like this is what we're meant to be doing with our bodies. You know, like this, this, is, this is the way the body works and where we're fully helping the body to realize it's like truest potential and the way it's meant to work. Um, you know, and again, it's like that can be yoga, that can be Olympic weightlifting, and they all have really compelling arguments for me. And the debates are what's really interesting to me as well. It's like the, the debates between like no mind is truth, no mind is truth. And this is where you might be able to see the crossover with fitness and religion that I was sort of talking about before. Nutrition, I focus more on um, because it's, 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 a bit, it's a bit firmer, you know. Obviously, there's still a lot of debate in nutrition, um, you know. There's always the, like the, the keto thing is very interesting right now because it has like a, it has more science behind it than like a lot of the general just low carb stuff that used to be floating around uh, and the paleo stuff, which a lot of which has been not debunked, but it's like a lot less popular now. Like the fear of phytic acid in legumes, for instance, everyone was really scared about that, but then it turns out that phytic acid is antioxidant, and high levels of that have been linked to lower risks of uh, colon cancer, that sort of stuff. I don't want to get too into the weeds, but yeah, the debates are interesting to me. Um, I like health and fitness and nutrition as one area in which I can try to sort of try and find truth, maybe find God, who knows, but that's sort of the, the way I come at it. And it's why my passion has sort of endured for it. I've been like writing about it for, I don't know, almost 10 years now. Um, and it's, 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 yeah, it's like, it's one of the ways the universe reveals its inner workings, you know, it's not the only way. Uh, I've definitely met plenty of bookworms and, you know, religious scholars who kind of scoff at the fitness thing. And I've met a lot more, you know, fitness people who scoff at the religion thing. But 
yeah, to me, it's all part of man's search for truth, you know. And if I was good at mathematics, I'd be a mathematician because I think that's a very beautiful and fascinating way that the, you could find truth in the universe. I mean, that's like the one un, undebatable thing, isn't it, mathematics? But sadly, I just don't have the brain for it. I've always been terrible at it. So I'm doing these more, you know, <laughs> liberal arts, humanities <laughs> sorts of ways. I relate with you there. I, math has never been uh, my strong suit. <laughs> yeah, it's depressing. Like, I, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful, powerful force of, of nature, but I, I just don't get it. But I have tremendous respect for it, you know, and, and I'm the same with a lot of things and, you know, same with astrophysics, you know, tremendous respect for it. I just don't get it myself. So I didn't think I was going to be talking about this on this podcast. <laughs> I thought I was going to be talking about <laughs> beans and rice, but here I am. Yeah, no worries. That's what's awesome about podcasts and just asking people about their background and stuff. But yes, I do. Um, I do really want to get into kind of some simplified practices for people to follow right now during these times. You know, you're you're very studied. You're practiced. You're experienced. Knowledgeable. Um, in the nutrition space as well as many other spaces. Um, and, and you're a good person to be talking with right now during everything that's going on in the world. So, because uh, I'm sure you have a lot of really good insight into making nutrition work when you're stuck at home and maybe with limited resources. So uh, just to dive into that initially, what are some of your thoughts right now kind of with everything that's going on? Uh, and nutrition wise, what can people do to stay on track or even get through this bizarre time? Well, I mean, what's interesting um, is that this is the time that everyone is at home and there's a, there's a massive, there's been a huge uptick in the amount of groceries people are buying, obviously because a lot of people are panic buying, but also like I've been uh, hearing a lot of stuff from like people in um, uh, like the, like there are farmers in New York who do like the really like sort of small farm grass fed sort of beef type, type stuff. And they're seeing an increase in this sort of meats that are sort of uh, like, like, like ground beef and like the, the cheapest sorts of meat that people cook at home as opposed to special occasion meats like steaks and that sort of thing because people are cooking more and many people are just learning to cook, you know, just, just now um, while, while they're at home. And that is like, I think far and away, it's, it's, the, it's the best way to, to, to manage your weight, you know, is when you're, and, and manage your health is when you're cooking your own food. I mean, that's not, that's not a big revelation, I think, but it's, it's interesting that a lot of people are being faced with that now, like, okay, the restaurants are closed. Like now I have to figure out how to cook stuff. And um, I don't know. I was just staying with a friend in Ohio, like right when this was all kicking off. And I was like, Hey, I'll make you like my favorite lentil stew, which is like, I'm, I'm crazy about lentils, you know? And, and he just, and he, he didn't know how to peel a garlic clove, you know? And this guy's 40 years old. Like there's just so many, especially men, man, like we just like don't know how to cook a lot of the time. And I'm not an amazing cook or anything, but when you're at home, it's a very good, this is a good opportunity, I think, for a lot of people to pick up skills that, that can, they can keep with them throughout their life for, uh, for, for cooking. Definitely, it's a good way to get uh, a lot of people who, like, they've always sort of wanted to experiment with cooking and they've always wanted to diet a little bit more. This, I, I don't, I, I feel a bit disingenuous to say there is any upside to the pandemic because it's, it's terrible and this is, it's a very privileged thing to say, like, oh, but now you can eat more beans. But, you know, it's, it's, it, that, is, that is one thing that's supporting people is the chance to, to cook more. So, I'm cooking a lot. I'm a nutrition guy and I like to track calories and stuff. And even now I'm planning my meals more than I used to just because I don't want to go to the grocery store more than once, uh, more than once a week, you know, I shouldn't be doing that, you know? So I've been like, have got a spreadsheet, like mapping out like what I'm going to eat throughout the week. And that's, that's, that's cool. It's making dieting a bit easier, but of course you don't have to track calories in order to eat healthy at all. You know, what's funny about nutrition is like, I can talk all day about, you know, phytic acid and like, you know, 
why you need to combine vitamin C and non-heme iron and all sorts of stuff. Like you, you can talk about it all day, every day. You can get PhDs in it. But 90% of it is like eat cruciferous vegetables with most of your meals. And that's like, that's most of it, honestly. Like as far as a disease prevention standpoint, like cruciferous veggies from the, from the brassica family, like spinach, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, kale, cabbage. These are all not identical, but very, very, very similar in the, in the nutritional makeup. So like if you, if you hate Brussels sprouts, you can, but you love cauliflower, like you can just have cauliflower, it's fine. Like it's, it's pretty much the same thing. If you make half your plate cruciferous veggies, at every meal, well, that's very hard at breakfast. Um, but you know, but if you can, even at breakfast, and if not, that's okay. You know, but that's they're they're they're, they're the healthiest thing you can eat, and they're filling, and they'll help you like just like manage weight, just sort of by default, and that's that's a big one. So like, oftentimes when I've got someone who's wanting to get healthier, I'm like, just just learn to roast one or all of these veggies, and you know, experiment with different herbs and spices, which have no calories, and so you can just you can always just mess around with herbs and spices all you want. And, uh, you know, you can have like some za'atar cauliflower. That's like delicious. That's like Middle Eastern spice blend. You can just do the standard olive oil, garlic, salt, and pepper, which everybody loves. Like you can roast anything in that. And it's always amazing. <laughs> like just like learn to roast veggies, have a good, a good serving of that with all your meals and you'll be more full. You'll have fewer cravings. And um, any doctor will tell you that it's going to be great for, you know, cholesterol and longevity, sleep as well. You know, like they're very high in magnesium, which is this like mineral that everyone is low on. It's actually very uh, important, especially for athletes, um, but for anybody because it has a really strong links to like lower levels of stress and uh, better sleep and like less anxiety and, and that sort of stuff. It's like the relaxation nutrient. Again, I can I can keep on talking about like why these things are important. You, you don't really have to, you know. You know what I mean? Like it's it's like I don't need to tell you like how to work your TV in order to watch it and get the benefits from it. Like you can just 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 eat these veggies and you can be confident that like. The majority of like health issues, are, <laughs> the risk is lowered if you're just getting a lot of cruciferous vegetables. <laughs> That's a lot of it. And then after that, I could say get plenty of protein we can, and you don't get too low on fat and blah, blah, blah. We can keep on going. But the, the biggest <laughs> block, like, the, like the, the biggest, like, you know, they say you got to move the boulders first and the rocks and then the pebbles. You know what I mean? Like in nutrition, the, the biggest rock by a million miles, it's just cruciferous veggies. And I do, and that's not lettuce, by the way, which is like a it's a BS vegetable. Don't eat lettuce. Like swap up the spinach whenever you can. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. No, it's all super helpful. And one thing that I that I love, and you've sent me some of the videos too to check out, um, is just like how simple, uh, you know, meals, meal prep, and recipes can be, and all that stuff. Uh, and like you said, good um, protein intake as well. It doesn't have to be some like super insanely hard thing to do. And so I was wondering just if we could, you know, for someone who's at home quarantining right now and they have a crock pot, like what are some things they can do to, you know, spice up their meals, uh, give themselves a little variety and also have it not be something that breaks the bank or is super hard to do? Yeah. Like the, the crock pot, I'm, I'm a fanatic for crockpots and, and for lentils. You know, those are the two things I'm really crazy about. If you have no idea how to cook and it's, a, it's completely alien to you, um, for starters, that's completely fine and don't be embarrassed about it or ashamed or anything like that. Um, but I, I do, I pretty much always recommend someone get a crockpot. You can get like a pretty big one on Amazon. I forget the brand of it, but you can, you can get a big one in for, for less than 50 bucks. And then you can just buy cheap cuts of meat, like the tough cuts of meat, um, like pork shoulder, you know, which is much cheaper than pork loin and uh, like brisket, which is a lot cheaper than steak. 
and you can make really, really, really good meals. Like my favorite, like my favorite one, if you eat pork, you can get like a pork shoulder, right? And the simplest thing you can do is like stab it, uh, stab it a few times and put it in some garlic cloves. Like let's say you got, I don't know, four pounds of uh, pork shoulder, just put it in like, you know, four, five, six cloves of garlic, rub it with some salt. Uh, I like to add some smoked paprika in there to make it a bit, bit smokier, you know? Um, but even if you don't, even if you just do the pork shoulder, garlic cloves under the skin, rub it with some salt and then drop it in the crock pot for like, if you've got four pounds, I don't know, put it on low for like eight hours, like just leave, leave it going when you're at work. Um, not that anyone's going out for work right now, but you know what I mean? Uh, you can come back to it after you know, eight, eight or nine hours. Uh, the prep time is very, is very, very short. It sounds like it's the involved meal when you say it takes eight hours, but literally all you're doing, you get the pork shoulder, put garlic cloves in it, rub with salt, drop it in and you're done. It's like a minute of prep time and shred up the pork when it's done. And every person will say it's the best thing they've ever had in their entire life. Like e everyone freaking loves pulled, like slow cooked pulled pork. It's amazing and it's delicious. Uh, low on carbohydrates. There's obviously plenty of fat, but like if, if you just want to get started with making yummy things at home and you don't know how to cook, that's a, that's a really simple crock pot recipe. Like, so that's, that's one of them. And it's the, 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 probably the easiest one, but brisket is another one that I really like. And again, you, you can just get a brisket, rub with some salt and leave it there for, you know, 10 hours and it's going to be great for me. What I like to do, I like to put on top of some chopped onions because they get all like soft and gooey and fatty and um, throughout the cooking process. And I rub the brisket with like a, like a, like a spice rub, you know? So just like a combination of garlic powder, uh, cumin, some cayenne pepper, chili powder, um, you know, also like some, some ground coffee is actually like really good as well. Like to, to rub the meat with, it comes out with like a nice earthy flavor. So just rub it with like a collection of spices. Don't go too hard on the cumin, but like everything else you can sort of happily add in there, especially paprika. And then you just rub that, rub the meat with it and just put the lid on and cook it on low or high if you have less time. <laughs> and then you, and then you come back to it and it's like, it's delicious. And everyone will say, this is absolutely amazing. This is the best like meat I've ever had. This is like better than the steak I normally get. Like, what did you do? And the answer is I just put it in a crock pot and rubbed it with some spices and left it. And it took me all of like a minute to get ready. And now it's like amazing. And also the great thing with these sorts of meats is um, you can freeze it for future lunches, which is like a really, that's like a really important part of it, I think, because especially cooking for every single meal is very daunting. And a lot of people don't really think about that fact that you can you can <laughs> you can cook in bulk you know i mean i mean it seems obvious when you, when you think about it but a lot of people like the the, the idea of cooking is like oh god i gotta cook, gotta cook every meal blah 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 but stuff like that uh pork shoulder uh, brisket you can make pulled chicken you're doing the same thing uh in the crock pot you gotta cook it for less time because it's a lot less fat but all this stuff you can make that then you can put it in some sandwich bags and freeze it uh, and as long as you eat it sometime in the next few months it's good. It's fine. So, you know, meal, meal prep is a, is a big one. It's so boring to talk about, but when you frame it more like, Hey, you know how you're only going to eat like a quarter pound or a half pound of meat, you should cook like five pounds and it'll take the same amount of time in a crock pot. Uh, no, actually no, it won't take the same amount of time, but like the same amount of effort. And, uh, then you'll just have meals going for ages. So like for me, I'll always have a freezer with brisket, uh, pulled pork, maybe some pulled chicken, uh, and I'll just bring them out for whatever lunches down the road. And it's, you get enough variety out of that. Like stuff freezes. It's like, it's such an amazing thing. Like you can just make a meal and then freeze it. 
and then eat it like two months later and it's still like delicious and amazing like it's such a miracle that we have freezes like i'm just so enthralled <laughs> by it it's 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 i don't know I, I i love it you don't have to cook all the time you can just cook a big meal and you have lots of meals in the future yeah well and i think that's a super helpful thing uh for right now because one generally people have more time right now so they could spend some more time you know planning strategizing um but then it, it also helps for the fact that they're because i was just talking about this today with some friends but quarantining people are just chilling at home and they're eating themselves to death like they are bored they're watching shows and they just keep making trips to the kitchen um and so that's also a really good way to, you know, schedule out like, okay, well, I've got these sandwich baggies, you know, filled with, with meats that I've already prepared. And it just makes it easier to have something to go to and not have to worry about yeah. wait, waiting eight hours for the, for the next one, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's like, it, it, you can't really freeze veggies, you know, that's something like you'd want to make it if you want to do meal prep. That's kind of thing. You make a whole bunch of roast veggies at the start of the week and just eat it like in like, I don't know, five days or something and it'll be fine. But meat and uh, legumes, like my freezer is full of lentil stew, uh, rice, that kind of stuff. You can, you can just spend a few hours getting a bunch of it ready. And then like you don't have to cook that much, you know, like eating, eating food that you make doesn't mean cooking every meal. <laughs> like you technically have cooked every meal, you know what I mean? But you don't have to cook at every meal. Everyone can get on board of being more lazy and I'm, I'm definitely one of them. And that's ways you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Lots of good tips, you know, planning, strategizing, meal prep. Uh, earlier too, you mentioned consuming enough fiber and getting enough of the right things for our bodies. Um, I'm assuming too, staying hydrated is pretty important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially as... um. Uh, as like a weight management strategy, like drinking, drinking water is a, a big one. Like a, like a really interesting tip, which is very simple. It, it's like, especially if you're trying to lose weight, if you find that you eat a lot, drinking a really big glass of water before every meal, you'll eat less. Like, and it has no calories and it's good for you. You'll be more hydrated. You know what I mean? Like probably the biggest weight loss tip that I hear is just don't drink anything with calories. Just <laughs> make it, make it water or tea or or coffee, even diet soda. I'm not going to say drink it diet soda all day, every day, but like, yeah, it's, you can have one. You can have like diet soda. It's not a huge deal. If like artificial sweeteners, there's really very little evidence they're bad for you in the quantity that human being can consume them. You know what I mean? But I would of course say, I would rather you drink, drink water and stuff. It's also like you can have a big jug of water in the fridge and drop in chunks of fruit and then the water tastes delicious and it still has no calories. You know what I mean? <laughs> If weight loss is like your big concern, like, yeah, drink a big glass of water before every meal. And when you like, you feel like you're hungry, but maybe you feel like you shouldn't be eating, drink a big glass of water that often takes the edge off. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's, let's, uh, I don't know if we covered that full lentil stew recipe, but I'd be, I'd be interested, yeah, to share that one. And then, uh, any that you have with chicken too, if you've got one of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. For this, for this lentil recipe, it's just like onion, carrot, celery you know, a roughly equal amounts each or maybe twice as much onion. If you're, if you're French, that's a thing in French cooking, like two parts onion, one part celery and carrots. But you just get, yeah, like a couple of cups of each uh, and a few garlic cloves and then you saute that in some olive oil. Like just throw it all in a big pot with olive oil, onion, celery, carrots, garlic. You just cook that for five, 10 minutes until it's soft. 
Then you want to add a bunch of herbs. Like I put in oregano. I think that goes really well with lentil. But if you've got basil is good, um, marjoram, thyme, rosemary, like whatever, generic European herbs, you know, throw that in, cook it around for about a minute until it's nice and fragrant. Then you pour in a bunch of uh, stock. So I, I put in boiling water and then I just add a few cubes of stock to it, just generic cheap grocery store stock if you want you can get liquid stock you know from the store that's more expensive you can do that if you want and uh so yeah you pour in the the liquid like about two liters of liquid and then i put in two one pound bags of lentils and uh reduce it to a simmer and let it cook for about a half hour and then it's just great (laughs) and it's pretty it is pretty simple yeah just onion carrot celery garlic all at once and then uh then some herbs once they're soft and then you pour in all the liquid and then you, once that's all boiling, you throw in the lentils and then you just stir it now and then for about a half hour. And then, and then there you go. And uh, it's also really good to, to throw some uh, vinegar on top of that once, once you have it in your bowl. Like it sounds a bit weird, but vinegar is, adds like a nice zinc to it. I think it's pretty nice. And you can have it with some, if you want more calories, throw some olive oil on top once it's over or have some, uh, you know, have some rice with it. You can drop some greasy chicken on top. I, I think chicken breast is bad with it because it's already a very low fat meal and it's just like gets too dry in the mouth. But yeah, that lentil recipe is like, it's really my thing. Like most days for lunch, I'll have, I'll have that. And I eat a pretty decent amount of calories because I lift weights and stuff. I, I, I try to eat about 3000 a day. Um, but even if you're on 2000 a day, like that's 700 calories, that's a meal's worth if you're doing three meals a day. And even if you're just on 2000 calories, it's, yeah, that's a meal, 700. And uh, 54 grams of protein it's a day's worth of iron zinc uh potassium really important for hydration you know because um, minerals and stuff like that's also important for hydration it's not just water love that well and you mentioned weightlifting too um just kind of here towards the end of the podcast i'd love for you to uh i mean we talked about it a little bit with david a few, like eight or nine episodes ago but um just some quick tips you know for those who uh, want to be working out and stuff while they can't go to gyms right now. Yeah. So uh, I was lucky in that I, I managed to grab a couple of kettlebells from the Bob and office before quarantine started. So I have that going for me at home. But like, if you don't have, if you don't have any equipment, I think that uh, bodyweight training is pretty cool. You know, like bodyweight squats, push-ups, of course, but also you want to be doing plenty of lunges and single leg stuff. Like, you know, you put your leg up on a couch behind you and then do lunges like that because we all have muscle imbalances and they're really easy to, to increase, especially if you're just doing just body weight stuff. So for me, again, I have kettlebells, so I'll be, in most days I'll do like some sort of combination of kettlebell swings and goblet squats and push-ups and overhead presses and chin-ups and rows, and that's about it. But... Maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but if there's scaffolding around your where you live, you can go and do pull-ups on that. If there's a if there's a bar that's like around like waist height, you can get underneath that and do inverted rows. So that's like rowing, but you're using your, your own body's weight to, to row yourself up. And rows are actually they're more important than pull-ups and chin-ups. That's like that's a that's a big one. Like you want to be pulling like rowing like I think twice as much as you're doing chin-ups or pull-ups. Um, that's a really important movement. It is a bit hard to train the hip hinge without weights. Um, that's the kind of thing you train doing a deadlift or a kettlebell swing or something. Um, nonetheless, you can get pretty strong. Like in my in my in my twenties, I was basically a student or a volunteer or an intern the whole time. So I got pretty good at bodyweight stuff and you know finding a park and doing 
chin-ups and bodyweight rows and push-ups and like squats, single leg squats, that kind of stuff. It's pretty good. And, you know, hanging leg raises is another really good one for your abs, but make sure you do like planks and that sort of stuff just because that stuff does matter for your, your spine stability and your, and your rigidity and stability and all that sort of stuff. And planks are like the most boring exercise there is, but <laughs> just like, just like how eating broccoli is the most boring advice there is, it's, it's actually the most important. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and this is kind of an interesting question too, that just came to mind as you're sharing those, that insight. Um, there's a lot of people home right now, obviously, and a lot of people working from home and a lot of people who, you know, didn't have like home offices before. And so they're spending a lot of time, you know, at the kitchen table or on the couch or on the floor, even or on their beds, like doing their office work. So what came to mind is like, what are some, like, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, I'm not sure if, if this is something you guys uh, talk about at bar band or not. Um, kind of an interesting thing, but like for posture, uh, like what are some things people could do? And then even just not, not necessarily posture, but just routine, like how long is too long maybe to sit before you need to like get up and go do something uh, to make sure that you're not like breaking your back sitting on, on your bed all day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- this is maybe starting off too high level, but literally as we're doing this, I'm sitting in a deep bodyweight squat. <laughs> I don't know if you've been to Vietnam or Thailand or like China, but like people just always sitting in squats like all the time and they're way better at it than we are in the U S and Australia. <laughs> but like, yeah getting time in the bottom of a squat like that and like doing a bit of work like that. Um, that's actually like really good for getting some tension off the low back and helping your, uh, keeping your glutes active. Like if you're pushing your knees out a little bit, like spend like a good, a good few, I spent a long time in a deep bodyweight squat in a day, but that is useful because the act, the actual term, uh, dormant glutes, dormant glutes, like sleepy butt syndrome is like an actual thing because we sit and we don't, work our butt we don't work the muscles and it's actually the, the glutes are like the largest muscles in the body and they're really powerful and important and when you're doing more glute stuff i'm getting a bit off track here but like when you're doing more glute stuff like it's, it's really good for low back pain and everything else but besides all that uh just set a timer on your phone you know there's a million apps out there you can set it to ding every 15 minutes half an hour I mean, if you're drinking plenty of water, a good thing is you're always going to be getting up and going to be. Not always, but it'll keep you from sitting on the couch for like a full like two hours without moving. You know what I mean? But a good one is, yeah, just like set a timer. And when you get up, like do, do, do a bunch of squats, uh, do some push-ups, uh, maybe do a plank. If you've got a chin-up bar, go do like one or two chin-ups, that kind of thing. But yeah, that stuff is useful. And if we're talking specifically for posture, uh, a strong back and a strong core and strong glutes in that order are, uh, are, are important. So don't neglect training those muscles. Don't not use those muscles. You know, there's just like an epidemic of guys who just work their chest and biceps and those, like, I'm not a physiologist, but they're the least important muscles. Like they should be strong. Like they, they should, you know, like exercise them and stuff. But like, <laughs> this is a kind of a broad generalization, but the most important muscles to train in this order, I'm very roughly here. I'm just sort of spitballing, but it's like core, back, butt, legs, shoulders. Uh, then it's like chest and arms, like chest and biceps, like they're, they're last. That's not to say don't ever train them, but all those other ones are way more important. I also want to say um, walk a lot. You know, it's been funny doing the quarantine because like 
I'm guilty of this. I'm not a superhuman or anything by, by any measure. Like um, now and then if I've like slept in late and I'm working from home, sometimes a day will, you know, almost the whole day will go by and I won't have really walked or, or really moved at all except for going from the couch to the bathroom. And uh, there was a day a little while ago where it was like five o'clock and I realized I hadn't gone outside. Again, like I'm not a guru here. Like I'm as human as anyone. I'll often not work out. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, I better work out what should I do if I'm only working out now? I know I'll go and do like some kettlebell swings and, and do a floor resistance training workout and blah, blah, blah. But to go from not moving to going to doing strength, like intense strength training, the body doesn't like it because you haven't even walked all day. And the body's like, you need to remind the body that it's a machine designed for locomotion. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, just when it comes to exercise, like I think, you know, ideally you'd make time for, cardio and strength and walking and stability stuff and maybe some yoga and I hear Tai Chi is really good for you and they say that mace training is really good for you there's a lot of stuff that's really really good for you but one thing that I think is is very I think pretty much anyone would agree on and one that's been reinforced with all the staying at home is like walking is the first and most important exercise <laughs> like walk a good and brisk briskly if you can like walk a half hour a day and do it before you've done it but before you exercise i think like the body just has to remember it's a thing that moves and is upright you know like it's it's so basic but like it's really it's really frighteningly easy to fall into a trap where you haven't walked for more than like 10 seconds you know uh all day and that's the web that's where the the body the human being like the essence like what this creature is it starts with walking upright like <laughs> not to get too like you know start talking about evolution like what separates us from the animals and all that kind of stuff all that aside like th this thing walks and that's the first thing it does and you you just you have to do that if you're not doing any other exercise you you've got to walk and then then work in the strength training stuff later on do them do them both but walking don't forget that my god it's really important that's awesome yeah super valuable insight good reminders for everyone uh <laughs> you might have picked me up uh laughing a little bit throughout there as you were talking about you know the this movement of of people working out their their arms and chests and stuff like that just reminded me of your your video <laughs> the, uh, where you where you go over some of the hate comments or the mean comments <laughs> and they're just like commenting on on uh, your buddy's tiny legs and do you guys even lift bro and <laughs> that stuff <laughs> yeah that's that's for for the viewers yeah that's we did a video on barben where we read all the mean comments that people leave us on our videos and it was just one after the other after the other of do you even lift does this guy even lift these guys even lift. You don't even look like you lift. Like they just, it's just all the internet is capable of saying. You, you must is, be out there just walking. <laughs> yeah. I walk guys. There's, there's more important than lifting. <laughs> I do also lift, but, but what, what, walking is priming. And that's something like, even, there are a lot of like, there are still general practitioners and doctors who get funny about people lifting weights in old age and that kind of stuff. And the smart ones know that lifting weights is still important in old age and everything. But even doctors who like, you know, stopped learning about, health and fitness in the 80s or the 70s or the 60s like everyone agrees on walking like it's just it's 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 really it's where it starts it's very fundamental it's one of those truths yeah yeah that's it yeah see i found a couple of truths here and there <laughs> and you just get a good get a good podcast in and walk walk briskly and really good for you that's that's what i tell i get like a, a friend and he's uh he's he's pretty obese and 
he's always asking like for advice. And all I ever say to him is like, if just make half your plate veggies, like green veggies, like I said earlier, and walk for an hour a day. And because he's obese, you know, and so it's like that. That's that's it for now. And that'll get you pretty close, like you know, better than the average person. Like just eat a lot of veggies, walk briskly an hour a day. Like I can talk about like you know hip positioning and the deadlift all day, but just practically speaking, those those two things will get you better than the majority of human beings. I mean, the bar's pretty low for human beings, but <laughs> nonetheless, those <laughs> those two things those two things are really it. I love it. What continues to or what fuels you to continue doing what you do every day, like day in, day out, uh, as far as, you know, pursuing this career in nutrition? You know, I mean, I'm not really rising to the level of Gandhi here or anything, but I do think it's, it's, a, it's a good and ethical thing to teach people and spread knowledge about practices that will make you less sad and less sore, you know? Like it's, I think it's nice. It's a nice way to spend your time. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's a service. Know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty, I think it's ethical and I'm also not bad at it. And I've had some jobs that are good, that are ethical, but I'm just not that good at it. Like the aid work and kind of like, I just was not good at it. I just hate filling out forms all day and I'm sorry. And I'm sure it'd be great if I was the head of the UN, but this just wasn't really how I was built. But for the, the path that I've led, I've wound up here where I'm not bad at, talking and writing and informing about this kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's good. You know, I try, I try to be helpful, you know, and I donate to charity and all the other stuff as well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, it is helpful. And like even coming here on, on this podcast, you know, who knows um, whose lives are even just slightly even just going to be changed for the better during, during these hard times. So it's, it's awesome. What is, what's your favorite word? Uh, crisp. I like that word. Crisp. <laughs> Crisp. It sounds good. You know, when I was like 12, I used to carry around a little book of like ideas and stuff with me. And I had a page of my favorite words. And I don't really remember any of them except for crisp. So that's why I was able to answer that so readily. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I like it. Someone, so, someone wrote an article for a bar band the other day that I edited. And it was like about getting the perfect crisp kettlebell swing. And I was like, God damn, I love that word. <laughs> anything, if anything is crisp, it's good. Unless it's a lentil. Lentils need to be soft. Though that is funny because I've interviewed a decent amount of people now. Um, and I ask that question specifically on every single episode I do with guests. And usually they're like, hmm, give me a second. You might need to edit this part out. I got to I gotta figure out, okay, what am I, what, what's my favorite word? <laughs> and you were just like, boom, right there, crisp. That's what it is. Yeah, it's great. It only brings to mind nice things. Crisp. <laughs> What is uh, your favorite TV show? I like shows with, <laughs> I'm going to be pretentious again. I like shows with a mixture of comedy and existential anxiety, which is why I am a big fan of Community and Rick and Morty and The Good Place. Those three shows are funny and they also uh, spend quite a lot of time talking about the human condition. So they, they really scratch me where I itch those three shows. <laughs> That's awesome. I haven't seen Rick and Morty, but I, I like The Good Place and community is got to be in my top three like tv comedies like i love that show yeah it's my god it's just so good and it, it just came to netflix and i was rewatching it last week and it's, it's just it's so good and it's like <laughs> it's depressing in just the right way you know where it's acknowledging we're all in this together which is hopefully the, the conclusion of 
depressing narratives. <laughs> not, to get, not to get too off topic there. Life is confusing and scary and weird, but it is for everyone and we're all human beings and let's look out for each other and acknowledge how absurd this is sometimes and we can still get some good out of it, you know? That's yeah. the stuff I like in church. I love that. And I'd agree. Definitely. Community is a good one. So, and I guess it's good. Yeah. Now that it's on Netflix, so everyone chilling at home, take some time to check out a few episodes, <laughs> quick plug for a uh, community. I'm not getting paid by them or anything, but uh, yeah, we'll for <laughs> sure plug that. Uh, okay. Last one is just, you know, favorite social media platform and where people uh, can link up with you. Oh boy. Uh, I don't do much on, on social these days. I don't know. Is Reddit a social media platform? I don't think anyone can agree on that, but <laughs> I spend a, I spend too much time on, on Reddit these days. Um, but I wouldn't tell anyone to find me there. I, I mean, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I guess I tweet more than I post anywhere else. Uh, it's NCJMS because Nicholas James is my, is my name. Um, but uh yeah, that's where I do most stuff. But honestly, especially for someone who works in digital media, I don't do I don't do social very much. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, thanks, Nick, for being on Upbeat and for sharing your story, your background, and all this helpful insight to uh, kind of help get us through these bizarre times. Thank you. So there you have it, my interview with Nick English. Again, Nick, thank you very much for being on the show and for bringing so much value to us. We appreciate that. And to everyone listening, thank you for being here listening. If you enjoyed the show, please follow the podcast, leave a happy review, and share this episode with a friend. We appreciate that very, very much. You guys are the best. I'll see you next week.